Hey guys, Dr. Childs here. Today we're going to be talking about 10 gut issues or gut problems that are frequently associated with thyroid disease. So if you have thyroid disease of any type, you are more likely than the general population to develop these gut conditions. And you should care a lot about that because your gut is important for the regulation of your immune system, the regulation of your hormones, the regulation of neurotransmitters, and so on. So there's lots of reasons for you to want to treat your gut if you have any problems. And these conditions are far, you're far more likely to develop these conditions than the average population by virtue of how the thyroid is functioning inside of the body and how it impacts your gut. So what I wanna do is just explain one quick tidbit right now and we'll jump into these because you will see a recurring theme in terms of how these conditions develop and why it occurs due to thyroid dysfunction. So the one thing you need to understand is the role that your thyroid plays in your gut function and gut health in general. And that has to do with something called peristalsis. So thyroid function is required or thyroid hormone is required for your gut to function, to have this, this rhythmic motion called peristalsis function optimally. And what that means is your gut is constantly moving at a slow pace throughout the entire day all the time. And if your thyroid is low, then that pace slows down. And it is, and is this slowing down of what we call gastric motility, which increases your risk for developing a whole slew of problems, which we will now be discussing. So number one and number two really kind of go together and they are considered overgrowth syndromes. So we have two conditions here. One is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and the other is small intestinal fungal overgrowth. Now, when we look at the anatomy of your, of your entire gastrointestinal tract, we have, you know, we have the, the mouth, the esophagus, we have the stomach, then we have the small intestines and we have the colon. A lot of what we're talking about right here occurs in the small intestine. So it's right after the stomach, but before the colon. So each of the, each different part of your intestinal tract can have its own set of problems and, and set of conditions and so on. But right here, we're really talking about the small intestinal tract itself, which is kind of hard to get to. Um, you can't get through it, get to it through a colonoscopy. You can through an upper endoscopy, um, which is why these conditions tend to be a little more uh, difficult to diagnose. But what ends up happening is if you have low thyroid function, because of the slowing down of your intestinal tract that I described before, your body is prone to an overgrowth of certain types of bacteria. Now, sometimes these aren't necessarily bad bacteria, but they can become pathogenic or problematic if your body allows them to sort of grow uncontrolled or to grow rampant. So if they get to certain, certain thresholds, then they can start to cause problems. And you can have different types of uh, SIBO-related conditions, um, which I'm not gonna get into right now, but just to say that you can develop small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which can cause problems downstream. Now, the same concept can occur for funguses or fungal overgrowth. Now, this is commonly referred to as candida. So if you've heard anything about candida diets or so on, this is really what we're talking about. Now, if you were to test the random, or randomly test the population, you would see that some people, a fair amount of people, actually have some yeast inside of their gut. It's just part of the flora inside of the gut. Now, for some people that promotes a problem and for others, it doesn't necessarily promote a problem. We're actually not sure of the pathogenicity of, of candida in every, every, every single situation. But what we do know is that if it grows too much, it can become problematic. And that's what we're talking about. So we have small intestinal bacterial, bacterial overgrowth called SIBO and small intestinal fungal overgrowth called CFO. And both of these conditions have to be treated if you have a thyroid problem. They will lead to problems downstream and they are actually somewhat difficult to treat if you're not treating your thyroid. So that was number one and number two. Number three, we have GERD, which is really just acid reflux. So what ends up happening, this is sort of um, counterintuitive, but here's kind of the process by which this occurs. Because the thyroid slows down your intestinal tract, then a lot of the stomach contents can stay inside the stomach for longer than they should. And that allows them to reflux back up into the esophagus. 
So what'll happen, unfortunately, is a lot of patients who have acid reflux or GERD, they'll experience that metallic taste in their mouth, they'll have the heartburn, they'll have the chest pain and so on, that'll drive them to go to the doctor and then the doctor will give them stomach or stomach blocking medications or acid blockers or acid suppressants. Now, unfortunately, this can often make the problem worse as we'll soon talk about, but the treatment for GERD if you have hypothyroidism is not to take uh, stomach blocking medications, but to treat the thyroid. You gotta make sure that those stomach contents are being emptied appropriately so that they're not refluxing back up and causing damage and inflammation inside of your esophagus. Number four, we have decreased kinetic bowel movement. So I talked about that more generally as the really the precipitating thing which cause or leads to all these gut problems, but it can be a problem all in it of its own. And when it, when it is a problem by itself, it's referred to as gastroparesis. Again, sometimes gastroparesis can be treated with medications and, and, and other treatments and so on. In the case of most, in the, in the case for most thyroid patients, if they treat their thyroid appropriately, they won't have to, they won't get to that gastroparetic stage. Number five, we have low stomach acid. So this really is a continuation of number three when we talked about acid reflux. Low stomach acid is a problem for many thyroid patients because stomach acid production is stimulated by thyroid hormone. So if you do not have enough stimulation of the cells inside of your stomach to produce enough stomach acid, you'll end up with a lot of different conditions, including things like acid reflux, which we talked about, vitamin B12 deficiency, uh, vitamin B12 deficiency, by the way, which is a big problem, leads to fatigue and a number of other symptoms, potentially anemia, low iron, which is one of the, the biggest causes of hair loss and fatigue in thyroid patients, uh, fatigue or low energy via, via iron, and then also constipation or diarrhea, probably because it increases your risk of developing SIBO and SIFO and those other conditions we just talked about. Number six, we have H. pylori infections. So this one is kind of a little bit um, of, of nuance here, but H. pylori is is an infection or it's basically a bacteria that can live and reside inside of your gut and it actually causes a lot of inflammation can lead to a lot of problems and even increase your risk of cancer downstream and there is some debate as to whether or not h pylori infections can result in the in, in hashimoto's thyroiditis now we do know that in some individuals who end up with h pylori that can trigger hashimoto's and we also know in patients who have uh, H. pylori infections, it can trigger a flare-up in patients who have Hashimoto's as well. So it is important to treat H. pylori infection if you have it. Now, just having hypothyroidism makes the treatment less effective at treating or getting rid of H. pylori. So you might actually have to go through more treatment processes or rounds of treatment and so on to get rid of it completely. But it does seem to be probably due to its impact on stomach acid that patients who have thyroid conditions are more susceptible to developing H. pylori infections, but it also, also could be that those people who get H. pylori infections and they, they have the right genetic predisposition may develop Hashimoto. So it's kind of, kind of hard to tell what came first in some cases. Number seven, we have malabsorption. So of course, this makes a lot of sense. If your body cannot produce stomach acid, guess what stomach acid does to the food that you consume? It helps to digest it. And guess what you need to do if you want to extract nutrients from food, you have to digest it. So if, you, if you're not digesting your food appropriately, then you increase your risk of being incapable of extracting those nutrients out, which may lead to nutrient deficiencies down the line. This is why I'm always talking about nutrient deficiencies for patients who have thyroid conditions. I just see that so many thyroid patients have deficiencies in things like vit B vitamins, including B12, iron or ferritin. They have magnesium deficiency. We have uh, vitamin D deficiency, although this doesn't stem from, from gut issues, but we have a number of nutrient deficiencies, zinc, selenium, and so on, which stem from your body's inability to, to reabsorb these nutrients that you would be getting from your food that your body can't because it doesn't have the right stomach acid. So malabsorption syndromes are definitely something to consider if you have thyroid problems. Number eight, we have celiac disease. Now this is another one of those sort of chicken and the egg type things 
Now, it, it's probably the case that celiac disease can trigger certain autoimmune thyroid conditions like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but it's also the case that if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you're more likely to develop, to develop other autoimmune diseases. So, we're, so it may be hard to figure out which came first in your case, but I, I can tell you that there is an overlap between people who have autoimmune disease or autoimmune, autoimmune disease in general and celiac disease. And I should include here also the other gluten sensitivity condition known as NCGIS or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. From my experience, it just seems that most patients who have thyroid conditions tend to be either sensitive to gluten or at least, or, or potentially have celiac disease, in which case they have the autoimmune condition to gluten. So in, in either event, it's usually beneficial to try going gluten-free if you haven't already and you have a thyroid condition. Number nine, we have gallstones. So gallstones are really coming from the liver, but the liver and the gut are definitely connected. So there's a, a number of reasons that patients who have thyroid conditions tend to develop gallstones more frequently than those who do not, and that has to do with these reasons. So number one, we have decreased liver cholesterol metabolism. So if your body is not metabolizing cholesterol appropriately, it may, may lead to a buildup of that, that cholesterol, which can then form or start the precipitation uh, or the nucleus of where the stone can form. Number two, diminished bile duct secretion. So the liver is normally dumping that bile, that bile through the bile ducts into the liver. But if that becomes a little bit sluggish, then that bile, duct can sit, that bile can sit around for a long time. And then again, it's more likely to form a stone if it's sitting around and stagnant. And then lastly, you have reduced sphincter relaxation. So the way that your body is eliminating uh, bile is through the liver, which then goes through the bile duct, which then empties into your intestinal tract, and it has to go through a sphincter. And if that sphincter is not able to relax, it just causes a blockage, and all of it just starts backing up all the way into the bile duct. And again, if that, if that sludge is sitting there, if it's stagnant, if, if your bile is not moving, then it may, be, may allow the precipitation of that stone to form. And then once you start getting the stone, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it causes problems. Lastly, number 10, we have autoimmune gastritis. So again, this is similar to the, the topic of celiac disease. If you have one autoimmune disease, which we know that many thyroid patients who have Hashimoto's, well, especially those who have Hashimoto's because obviously Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease, but because the number one cause of low thyroid function in the United States is, is Hashimoto's and the number one cause of hyperthyroidism in the United States is Graves' disease, both of these are autoimmune diseases. So those people who have one autoimmune disease are more likely to have another. And in this case, if you have one of these, you may be more likely to develop autoimmune gastritis. And gastritis just results in decreased acid production via uh, the killing of the cells inside of your uh, stomach. And that results in a lot of the slew of the symptoms that we talked about previously. So we talked about this in low stomach acid, but just for clarification, we're talking about acid reflux, vitamin B12 deficiency, low iron levels, fatigue, and then of course constipation and or diarrhea as it increases your risk for developing SIBO and CFO. So here are 10 gut conditions that are associated with thyroid conditions more broadly and more generally. And if you have a thyroid condition, you are more likely to develop these, which means you need to be addressed. You need to be tested for these. You need to make sure that your symptoms are not consistent with these things, because if you're not treating them, you're going to have a hard time fixing your thyroid. And the presence of any of these conditions will impact negatively your ability to absorb thyroid medication, um, such as level thyroxine or any of them really, and then also impact your hormones, which then impact your thyroid and so on. So that's all I have for you guys today. If you have any questions about these gut conditions, leave them in the comments below. If you haven't already, make sure that you download my free thyroid PDF resources. I have tons of information all designed to help thyroid patients like you feel better. Um, and otherwise, that's all I have for you guys. So I'll see you in the next one.